0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. I overcorrected somewhat on not having many book reviews and then forgot to do a film review for a while, so that's what we're doing today. We're looking at a film I bought a while ago and then never got around to watching uh, called Superstition. Uh, this is the Superstition from 2001, not the Superstition from 1982 or 1987. The 1980s, which I haven't been able to get a copy of, uh, so haven't watched. Uh, but this is a movie uh, starring Sienna Gilroy, Gilroy? not sure, and Mark Strong. And I've seen them both in many things. Um, uh, so Sienna, last name unpronounceable by me, sorry, um, was Jill Valentine in the Resident Evil movies, but has also appeared in TV shows and things that I really like, uh, principally Criminal Minds and Luther. So I know she's a good actress. Mark Strong, Well, I have never seen a movie advertised and thought, oh, Mark Strong's in that, it must be good. I find him good in everything that he's in. I'm going to say right off the bat, that i don't think this is a bad film i just think that it was mismarketed on purpose which we'll get into in a minute so the tagline is witchcraft can appear in many forms but is it just superstition you see what they did there and then the plot on the back of the box is thusly based on a true story this is a dark and supernatural tale of a young english nanny accused of witchcraft and murder When young nanny Julie takes up her new position with a wealthy Italian couple, things are not what she expected as she is sexually harassed by the husband. Suddenly, the baby in her charge is found dead from a mysterious fire. This begins a nightmare as she is branded a witch by the press on her arrest. But the supernatural occurrences do not stop there and a series of further unexplained fires begin. Has she been possessed? Has she some rare uncontrollable telepathic abilities? With help from her lawyer, Gabrelli, Mark Strong, Uh, And former psychiatrist Mother Frances, Charlotte Rampling, they have to try to prove her innocence. In the final unveiling of the shattering events from Judy's past, the terrible truth is revealed. That largely makes things sound more exciting than they are. On the front cover is like a woman holding a a crucifix that's on fire. uh, And it all looks very spooky and supernatural and frightening. I would describe the film itself to be one, not really about witchcraft. And two basically just like kind of a, a lifetime thriller and not a sort of supernatural horror film which is basically what the cover sort of says that it should be um but we'll get into the plot i'm going to trigger warn for some sexual harassment uh and also the obviously the death of an infant none of it's too graphic but i'm just going to mention it because it is in there so basically i found the first half hour of this movie to be the most exciting part and after that point uh, towards sort of the hour mark it got real slow real fast but the first half hour is going gangbusters because it introduces a lot of shit Uh, so we're told that this is inspired by actual events Uh, more on that potentially later Um, but uh, we open up on a sort of rural area there's a forest there's spooky music and a spooky black crow flying around and then a double decker red bus which I've only ever previously seen in London, just casually comes down at, you know, through the trees to drop a, a schoolgirl off in this rural middle of nowhere ville. She gets off, she walks a short distance across a field and then we see uh, a house on fire in the distance beside a church and we hear screaming as she runs towards it. So f- screaming from uh, presumably someone inside and then we get a black title card that says four years later in Italy. Our main character, Julie, who has the same white blonde hair as the girl in the opening sequence, so clearly that's a flashback to her childhood, arrives back late to her nanny job and it's quickly established that she works for a rude bitch and a pervert uh, because she gets told not to go so far away on her days off uh, and the husband leers at her and comments on her new hairdo. Uh, She then goes to bed. Her bed is 90% white lace because she is an innocent and lovely person, symbolism. Um, she then has to get up to make a bottle for their baby, who she's obviously responsible for. While the the two, uh, the couple have returned from their night out and are having really loud sex uh, in a room down the hall. So she puts headphones on while waiting for the milk to heat up, and that's when the baby's room catches fire spontaneously. Uh, they discover it, the parents rush in when the baby starts crying, uh, they accuse her of smoking but she says it must have been some workmen earlier who, who were in the house uh, but this is an obviously an unexplained fire. We then get a really long and quite boring credit sequence. It's just sort of plinkety plonkety music and some like shots of ponds and Fields and stuff. The only thing notable about it is that partway through it just like the music cuts off and there's a black screen for about 30 seconds Which I initially thought was my DVD player acting up, but when I rewound it 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 still happened. So that's in the movie for some reason just 30 seconds of dead air Um, We then resume uh, the movie with two people uh, discussing this case of, of julie being arrested for murder um these two people are isabella who is a prosecutor and she's talking to antonio antonio yes antonio Gabrelli, who's played by mark strong and he's going to be the basically public defender um who, who's looking after julie and her case uh, there's a really tenuous link here where isabella is just like oh you should take the case because you know your wife was also a british woman connections uh, and we're led to believe that his his wife has uh, recently died in a, a car accident so that's very sad uh, and now he has to defend this other British lady uh, just to get him back on his lawyering game I guess we then cut back to a time before her arrest where Julie and the family arrive at a farmhouse uh, which is occupied by the couple's like the baby's dad's mother to the baby's grandma who is very religious and wearing a crucifix the wife is obviously still real bitter about that haircut comment it's not that deep cynthia uh, but she's just like oh he said your hair frames your face that's exactly what he said that it framed your face you're digging my husband you're digging him aren't you i don't know it, it, for some reason this is the thing she's gotten like up about but we get a flashback to the haircut happening which just seems super unnecessary um in walking away from this mad woman julie steps on half a broken bottle that's just sitting on the grass because reasons the husband then takes her to the bathroom to bandage her foot up at which point he like sniffs her foot and then tries to touch her thighs which is bad don't do that uh, but then his mum walks in on them and later on she kind of corners Julie in her bedroom and is like, any woman that tries to seduce my son is an idiot and you're a whore. Uh, but anywho, later on that night uh, the parents rush to the baby's room where, where the baby's crying again to find Julie standing in a room which is completely ablaze and through a, a frenetic sequence we see that the baby being taken out to an ambulance, the the police and everyone turning up the fire claiming the house and everyone kind of stumbling around looking dazed but quickly obviously julie was then arrested we see all these events like what's happening at the farmhouse as mark strong gabrelli reads this file as if somehow the file contains all this information about her like stepping on the glass and the husband trying to touch her up but that stuff probably wouldn't be in that file and they go and talk to julie after he's read it so I'm confused as to whether he's meant to be psychic because the way that this is edited together makes it look like he's just getting these psychic impressions of her past. But anyway, he and Isabella, who seems like a nice person but is kind of a bitch in court, but I guess that's her job. uh, They go to meet Julie and talk to her about the fires. She claims again that the first fire must have been started by the workmen but has no explanation for the second fire but says that she has never smoked so... Obviously it's not her or her cigarettes. Um, She also then finds out that the baby's dead because no one had thought to tell her before this. So that's nice. Uh, Antonio then tells her that in Italy she's guilty until proven innocent. And if convicted of murder, she faces 20 years in a maximum security prison. So yikes. We then find out from him that her mother is dead uh, as of the incident when she was a child. And that she hasn't seen her dad in years. Um, So unfortunate that there's no one really pulling for her she's all alone in the world oh bless antonio then goes to the scene of the fire and to talk to the forensic team who say that there's some wacky shit going on with the forensics and he'll have to wait for the report um julie is there with him which is weird because having arrested her for murder would they just let her wander around albeit with her lawyer and go back to the scene of her crime i don't know that they would like later on they won't even give her bail so why is she allowed to just walk freely. Anywho we then cut to forensic testimony in the courtroom where the forensics expert says that intense heat but no flames caused the fire uh, and that the mattress despite being made of two materials one of which was way more flame retardant than the other everything burnt at the same rate which is weird and he can't explain it. Uh, He also can't explain why the fire started at several points seemingly simultaneously or why it burned downwards instead of up the way that fire usually does so i enjoyed this there's a lot of like weird forensic testimony happening i was here for it it reminded me of csi i was having a great time we then see julie in prison predictably she's not having a good time because it's prison, but also everyone's shunning her because she, she's a baby murderer. Uh, then we see Isabella and Antonio meeting up with the judge to discuss the case. Uh, the media has gone into a frenzy accusing Julie of being a witch. Based on the testimony of the baby's grandmother, who is talking about like how religious pictures fell off the wall when she was there. And she made the electric meter spin with her brain. Uh, we didn't see any of this happening. Uh, I feel like it should have been shown to us if they were going to talk about it in the movie. Like I get that they didn't show it to us because they're like oh we wanted it to be ambiguous but then the ending isn't that ambiguous so they could have put it in and basically everything that Mark trial asks for is denied. She's not given bail, she's not given a mistrial. He's pretty pissed off. Uh, And then Isabella shows him a new piece of evidence, which is Julie's Bible, which has passages about fire underlined in it. And when he talks to Julie, she claims that she can't remember underlining it. She must have just bought it with those passages underlined. Uh, Antonio then goes to visit a psychiatrist who is also the mother superior, like a nun. So I don't know if that's allowed, but he wants her to testify for Julie about her potential mental illness. Uh, so she's now involved. This nun never really gets that involved with the plot. She's just kind of there to look at Mark Strong and question what he's saying, and then at the end of the movie to look a little bit concerned, but she doesn't really she seems like she knows something but she never reveals what that is and the baby's father then testifies that julie was obsessed with him and tries to make it look like she killed the baby for vengeance after he turned her down uh which makes her look pretty bad antonio then unearths a picture of julie with a cigarette in her hand which obviously shows that she was lying when she said that she never smoked although it's weird that there's just a random picture of her with a cigarette um so yeah we're not really sure what that means a journalist then claims that she was trying to for satanism in england which is definitely not a thing uh the media seems to be like heating up at this point although we never really get to see it they're like mobbing the outside of the courtroom but we don't really see a lot of them trying to get information on her i guess this isn't to the past but it's pretty tame when you think about like how bad paparazzi culture is right now um so yeah we just occasionally see you know, the press outside the police station, it's like, oh, look how bad the press attention is getting. Apparently, uh, Mark Strong's character, Antonio, doesn't really like the press that much because when his wife died in a car accident, it was like all over the news and he felt like that was really distasteful and I'm agreeing with him there. The wife and mother of the baby, not the wife of the baby, the wife of the guy who's the husband of the the wife then testifies and tries to make it look like um, Julie was after her husband, but Mark Strong ain't having that and basically takes her to pieces on the stand. I really liked all the courtroom bits, it just felt like I was watching an episode of Law and Order. Then Antonio asks Julie if she would accept a deal because obviously, if she's convicted, 20 years in prison, but she ain't interested in that. And she says that she quit smoking a year ago, so she was right about how she doesn't smoke but not that she had like never smoked. So we're seeing her playing some games with the truth. Julie's cellmate then climbs on top of her while she's trying to sleep and like flicks a lighter in her face and threatens to set fire to her hair before beating her up. The guards don't intervene so it's clear that this is kind of spiraling and everyone thinks she's guilty and is after her. One of the ministers of the Italian government then asks the judge to you know try and make this case quiet down a bit because it's starting to make Italy look really bad that they've got this basically like 20th century witch trial Uh, it's making them look kind of backwards and superstitious hence the title of the movie uh so when antonio asks again for bail in light of the prison attack the judge is a little bit more lenient and he says that he can release julie into the custody of her lawyer she has to stay with him and he will be legally responsible for her actions he also has a dog nothing bad happens to the dog so yay we also discover from a picture in his house that his wife looks exactly like julie but also a little bit like marilyn monroe um so you know beat us over the head with that similarity also his house is decorated entirely in pillar box red and bright yellow like he has a fire themed house is what i'm trying to say unwise if you're having an arsonist to come to stay with you but i guess he couldn't redecorate he's then contacted by a professor roberto who says that he has something that can help with the case antonio then talks to julie about her mother's death uh, and she says that her mother died of a heart attack which fairly certain she didn't because we all saw the opening of the movie with the big fire but the movie acts coy about this and this doesn't come out until like the third hour and then it's played as if it's like some big revelation when we have known all along Like, the way the film acts about it makes it feel like we're meant to suddenly think, oh my god, maybe Julie's a massive liar. But we already knew that she was lying from the start, so I'm confused as to what the movie wants from me. From the point at which Julie starts cohabiting with Antonio, the movie really slows down and we stop having all these, like, exciting bits of court testimony and, you know, all this exciting stuff happening at the prison, and it starts to feel like we might be in the middle of a romantic drama, especially at one moment, which... I will get to professor roberto visits and basically his theory on the crime is some combination of poltergeist and pyrokinesis uh, as he is a disgraced physicist who investigates this stuff sort of on the heels of this julie then has nightmares and we're told that the woman who attacked her in the prison burned to death now although julie is not obviously in the frame for that because she was at antonio's house it does cause the uh, allegations of witchcraft to flare up a teeny bit. We don't see like a, a big fallout to this but it again ramps up a little bit of the tension. Then weirdly considering she's meant to be like Italy's most wanted witch, Antonio decides to take her to dinner and a movie. Uh, everything's fine at the movie but when they go to the restaurant for dinner she is recognised by waitstaff who then thump a basket of bread down which causes her to burst into tears and run from the restaurant. Uh, They get caught in a rainstorm. I thought they were going to kiss like Spider-Man, but they didn't. He just takes her home and she has a shower, but then puts on one of his wife's dresses, causing him to like think that she's his wife for like a second and have like a weird flashback moment, um, which is odd. Uh, She then falls asleep and he makes her a sandwich and there's this like really odd like musical choice that made me feel like I was watching an early 90s rom-com and like ryan gosling had just like put a blanket over her and was like looking at her tenderly while putting olives on a plate it's weird this whole section feels like it was spliced out of like a different movie that's not a, a talk crime thriller it, it just feels kind of romantic comedy drama ish but there you go antonio gets woken by the dog who is fine but uh, Julie's window is on fire so that's unfortunate because she's asleep when he goes in to like check on it he assumes that she had nothing to do with lighting it on fire and starts to give more credence to the professor's theories that you know something's happening so they go to see the professor so he can run some tests and he talks about how um, he's noticed this pattern that there will be women who are traumatized and then put into a, a difficult family situation or stressful situation That this activity will flare up around them, quite literally in some cases. And that it's being caused by a poltergeist that is following them around and is making them the focus of their activity. So basically, it's not Julie's fault. She's just being followed by an angry ghost made of stress. Julie then testifies and Isabella drops this absolute bombshell in court uh, that her mother didn't die of a heart attack the medical records just got confused when they were requested by the courts and that her mother actually died in a fire which julie has lied about on the stand except we already knew this uh so julie it looks bad for julie and initially antonio is furious because he believed in her but he does still kind of believe in her and it's never really like the stakes of this aren't that high it's pretty clear he's going to forgive her. Julie says that she hid the truth so she wouldn't um, lose his belief in her and also she didn't want to look even more guilty which no duh. She then gives testimony about the day her mother died and about basically the thing that she feels guilty about is that she ran to the house it was on fire her mum couldn't get out so she picked up a brick and smashed the window which caused a lot of oxygen to rush in and cause an explosion, so inadvertently causing her mother's death. This seems to get her some sympathy from the court in general. It seems like Antonio is newly convinced of her innocence, so he turns down an offer of only six years prison time, and he then puts the professor on the stand to talk about poltergeists, which uh, Isabella isn't having. She says that it's ludicrous. Her and Antonio yell at each other in open court, and then the judge is like, stop yelling at each other in open court. What do you think this is? With 15 minutes left, the jury is then told to deliberate. I feel like this is meant to be a lot more tense than it actually is because obviously it's a movie. She's not going to get convicted. Something else is going to happen. And sure enough, the verdict comes back guilty of arson, but not guilty of murder. Uh, The judge uh, then says basically that uh, her sentence is three years, but because she's already been in prison for quite a while, you know, on the murder charge, he's going to let her go with time served on the condition that she leaves Italy in the next 24 hours, like they want her to go away. Isabella then congratulates Antonio on winning the case, they seem to be friends again, it's all fine, just like professional rivalry. Um, Julie then departs the courthouse with Antonio, but the nun calls Isabella and says that they have to stop Julie from leaving, that everything has just reverted back to how it was before the trial. Nothing has actually been resolved pertaining to her guilt. So it's unclear at this point if the nun thinks she actually is guilty or is just talking about her guilty feelings causing this like poltergeist thing, which the nun seems to be mysteriously sold on now. Like she is a mystery to me, the nun. We never really find out much about her. I don't know if she believes in this poltergeist thing or, or what her deal is, but. She's trying to like phone Antonio and she can't get through because he's on the phone arranging a flight and then leaves his cell phone behind when driving to the airport. Uh, While driving, he admits to Julie that the accident that killed his wife was his fault because he was driving. They discuss guilt for a second about how, you know, they both feel guilty about stuff. And then the backseat of the car catches fire because poltergeists. Uh, And this causes him to lose control of the car to such an extent that it like a bat flips off the road into a valley. um, Which is very dramatic. Uh, Julie is thrown out of the passenger seat of the car uh, while he is trapped inside it. The car bursts into flames and we have flashbacks of every bad thing that's been said about Julie this whole movie. And then she drags him from the car screaming for help. The car explodes... And um, she like looks at the smoke coming out of it like she's just been released from this awful thing. Because the professor said that one of the ways to make this go away was to confront the the trauma that was causing this build up of poltergeist energy. And that's basically what she's done in this moment. What bothered me about this, because it just cuts to credits after this is that she's dragged Mark Strong out of this like horrifying car accident. Like this thing fucking cartwheeled down the side of the road and then burst into flames. You see him slightly blink while she's like holding him and looking at the fire. But he doesn't say anything and they don't like look at each other. His eyes sort of remain on a fixed point. So I'm uncertain as to whether he's alive or not. I feel like the fact that she managed to save him is what's, you know, getting rid of her trauma. So hopefully he has been saved, but nothing's really done to make it seem like he's alive. He kind of looks dead and like maybe he blinked on accident. So that's kind of disappointing. I wanted it to be a little bit more clear what had happened. I actually rewound that bit and watched it a couple of times like, are you alive or not? Give me a sign. But nothing. So that's the movie. Like I said, I don't think that this is a bad film. It's like a pretty good film to have on in like the middle of the day, where it's like, oh, a crime, or maybe not. Some hint of supernatural stuff. It's basically all about the relationship between Julie and Antonio, her lawyer, uh, about how they like help to heal each other from their guilt. What um, it's not about is witches. They mention it a couple of times that the press is calling her a witch, but it doesn't really become central to the case at any point, and she's never proven to have a supernatural power that she can control i kept waiting for there to be a twist but there wasn't so this movie claimed both to be based on real events and also to bear no resemblance to persons living or dead which is like can you have it both ways movie i don't think you can uh, but after some googling it seems like this story was inspired by the story of a scottish woman called carol uh, carol compton who was a nanny for for a couple in Italy, and then some similar occurrences happened and she got blamed for it and they put her on trial and it was basically this huge thing about how it was the 1980s and yet they were treating it like this was a witch trial from the 1500s and it caused a lot of scandal and things like that and later she wrote a book about it because she wasn't convicted either. So I guess of all the films that I've watched that claim to be inspired by true events, this one was actually inspired by true events, but it doesn't claim to be the story of this specific woman. It just claims to be, you know, inspired by it. And there are differences, um, principally, you know, the poltergeist thing. So it's, it's pretty cool that, it you know, it's based on something that happened in real life. Uh, unfortunately... Again, it's not really a very witchy movie and I'm kind of mad about that, especially because the front cover made such a big deal about mentioning witchcraft and you've got this sort of underlit woman with like this red light and then like the crucifix that's on fire. And then it mentions witchcraft and like supernatural powers on the back as well. And it comes across as a lot more mundane than supernatural. It's more courtroom than coven. I have a lot of these, I'm not going to say them all, but you get what I mean. Um, it's a pretty entertaining movie for what it is, if you just want to watch something that's like an hour and a half long and kind of relates to supernatural stuff, but it's not witchy, there's no witches in it. I feel like Not Enough is made of the actual like accusations of witchcraft, like if they had made more of that, I would be saying this is quite a witchy movie, if they had had you know, people coming into court to denounce her, or you know, talk about witchcraft, um, or you know, found things in her things that suggested that she had at least been reading about witchcraft. That would have at least been something. I think when I was reading about the the case that this is based on, during the trial, someone got up and tried to like exorcise the defendant, which would have been pretty cool to include in the movie. Uh, so I feel like it was toned down too much to to give too many witchy vibes. But um, it was uh, it was an okay watch, competently acted, competently made. It just wasn't what it said on the tin. So cautiously recommend, but not as a witch film. I hope you've enjoyed this review. I am gonna hopefully get some more movie reviews coming up because currently we're in October. It's the month for a load of witch remakes and witchy movies to come out, and I've ordered some interesting new things from our favourite film developers high flyers so hopefully we'll have a lot more going up on the channel and i won't just be doing like book reviews or film reviews we'll try and get a healthy mix going so in the meantime make sure you're subscribed on here and over on youtube as well for videos and such and i'll see you in the next one bye